0: And good morning to you, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM1030K, VOI, The Voice, the in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. And to all of our listeners, and of course, Matt Neely, making the magic happen on the other side of the glass, we wish today a happy hump day. And Matt, not to... Um, not to share your secret on the air, but I just wanted to say I'm very much looking forward to and have high expectations for your audition for Nightfall. So good luck with that, and uh, um, maybe I'll come out and see you. You said you wouldn't tell. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I just made Matt speechless. I didn't know. I didn't know that was possible. Happy but Wednesday, I did it. <laughs> Zachary. <laughs> And I'm only called Zachary when I'm in trouble. I've got, so i got to. Uh, so finish.
1: I got to. No, I got to spend the hour getting into character for my audition at Old Tucson Nightfall.
0: Oh goodness! Let's go. We can
1: be a tandem act, Zach.
0: Oh, oh man! Now that was the real secret. That was you know. Oh man! Ah, with that, Happy Hump Day! Yeah, it only gets better from here. It, it, o- it only gets better it from can only here. Go up. Uh, And of course the voice you're hearing, y'all know this by now, is Pastor Jeff Loxton, our faith and culture contributor here on the program. Uh, A bit of a different show today, not this first part. We usually do this on on a Wednesday, Uh, but Devin Underwood will be calling in. She's the principal and founder of the Talent Store, Uh, and uh, she's calling today, Wednesday. We had Ruben Navarrete yesterday usually he's today and devin is usually on a thursday but she's on a wednesday and there's a good reason for all of that and the reason is quick plug we're gonna have governor doug ducey on the show for not one but two lawn segments an extended interview covering a lot of ground 9:15 a.m tomorrow thursday tucson make sure your dial is turned and your alarm is on uh these are rare um southern arizona appearances um and the governor is uh is is giving is giving us uh, a lot of his time tomorrow morning, so That's we're looking awesome. forward to it. Uh, Pastor Jeff, this is bittersweet. Um, this is our last show together.
2: Uh huh. I'm feeling it.
0: I know. Me too. We were talking yesterday, and uh, I said it's been uh, it's been a good couple of years, and you couldn't believe it had been that long. No. But I think we started. Either just before or right after COVID, mm-hmm. which is now almost two and a half years ago. Yes. So it's it's been a minute. It hasn't felt like two and a half years. It's been a fun ride. It's it gone has quick. Been. Thank you. And um, I know we're going to debrief uh, in the second segment as uh, we say goodbye together uh, to all of our to all of our listeners. Um, but we need to start the show. Um, by addressing uh, what happened on Friday with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Yes. And I don't think we could be legitimate in our goal to look at the intersection of faith and culture, church and community, and uh, not talk about this topic. You and I for about a month had a different topic that we were going (laughs) to talk about. Something Um, a little lighter. Something, well... (laughs) It didn't feel lighter at no, the time, it but didn't. it feels lighter now. But, but we thought, man, we, we have to we have to address this. Yeah. Uh, and let me just maybe start us off because I want to get your thoughts, Pastor sure. Jeff. Much of the national level conversation about the overturning of Roe v. Wade has reflected, uh, you know, at least on the interver- uh, Twitterverse, so to speak, angry assertions that conservatives and evangelicals wanna strip away rights and take us back to the dark ages. And there may be national uh, level players uh, and, and policy goals on both sides of this issue who are playing chess um, with Roe v. Wade for broader goals. Uh, we've been in the culture wars for a long time. But I genuinely think that there is a huge contingent of people um, who believe fervently in the dignity of life care for the unborn and voiceless and want them to have a shot at life they're not playing politics they grew up and believe in the sanctity of life Uh, a mutual colleague of ours pastor wrote a piece recently that notes around one in four women in america um, at this point have made the decision in their lives to get an abortion often they're sitting in churches and they haven't shared that uh, because they're not sure how it's going to be received one last data point, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Pastor. A Gallup poll was done in May when the leak was released uh, about where the Supreme Court was going to go on this decision, and the poll found that um, the, the percentage of Americans who consider themselves pro-choice um, has risen in the past year to 55%, its highest level since 1995. So I bring all of this up to say that I think when you open the doors of your church, Pastor Jeff Locks in Hope City Church on the 22nd Street Corridor every Sunday, there are those seen in your church who have made a difficult decision in their lives to have an abortion or uh, who also love Jesus deeply and live by the Bible and believe at a policy level, a woman in America should have the right to make the personal choice on this difficult issue. Uh, I think both, both of these camps are very much in our churches today. How does the church navigate this moment?
2: Here is uh, an interesting thought. I think that there's a margin on both sides. People that maybe were pro pro-choice before and because of this narrative rising to the top in the way it has, has have, have edged towards pro-life. Conversely, people maybe that have been pro-life, but because it's been thrown in their face in a political manner, have maybe edged towards uh, this thought of w- why are people talking about pro-choice. When you ask about our church specifically, we've seen that 25%. I don't know if that number is higher or lower. For those listening, if you've heard uh, my story, I'm an enigma in the fact that I am a pastor who has also had an abortion. Um, And and so I'm speaking to this as one Mm -hmm. who has dealt with that pain and the healing that has come from the realization of decisions that I have been a part of in the past. And so I don't enter into this lightly, but seeing the number of people, both men and women in our church, who have had this in their face, apart from whatever stance they take, has been a a very um, painful reality to have have to work through, especially as the nation has addressed this topic. Mm-hmm. And that's really where we've been camped out as a church is saying, you know, may, maybe you are fighting for this pro-life narrative, uh, you know, what does that look like for you? How are you doing that in a way that is mindful of, 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 of the bigger picture? And then for those especially that have had abortions. Um, there's a lot of healing and things that need to happen there. And I'm not sure that we as a nation are asking all of those questions or looking at those things uh, with with a particular person in mind. Um, it's it's definitely not an easy conversation. I don't know that that decision that has occurred this past Friday makes it any easier. If anything, it makes it maybe a little more difficult.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm asking, you know, uh, a question that maybe is outside of the typical realm the last few days, you know, where there is this um, push to camp out on one end on one side or the other and whose side is right mm-hmm. uh, i think the reality as we've stated is that as the church doors open the church as an institution is is hosting a number of people who are very have very complicated backgrounds and views on this situation mm-hmm. and how do you how do you serve and navigate you mm-hmm. know navigate through that there was you know certainly around the country churches and church groups who would go and do rallies and and stuff outside of planned parenthood uh, of, uh, campuses the morning as this came out mm-hmm. it came out early in the morning, three hours later they were celebrating outside of Planned Parenthood uh, I, 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 is, is that the right gospel centered uh, Jesus filled classy way to tackle what is going to be a very difficult American moment for a long time to come, is there a better way to uh, for the church to navigate this
2: I mean, bluntly, I don't think so. I think there is a humility that comes with truly understanding the the heart of the person on the other side of the perspective. Um, I've gotten to know people who have had multiple abortions. Not everybody is is the stereotype that the, the, the pro-life movement thinks that they are, and that's the hard part. I mean, there are women who have been caught up in sex trafficking that have had multiple abortions, not by choice, but because it's been forced on them. To me, it's not as easy as, is this right or is this wrong? It is more about asking the question, why is the person who is advocating against this or or railing against this think the way that they do what pain exists in their past what what stories uh, are they aware of that we need to hear and maybe understand who that person is at a better level the person i represent in in jesus is someone that that doesn't stand in your face and taunt you as as uh you know the victory song is playing that is not who jesus is and that's not who i want to be Um, I'm thankful for his forgiveness in my own life, but I think we're far from understanding what healing looks like as a nation. You and I talked about the need to be unifiers and how we have really addressed this idea of being unifiers through everything that's come with COVID. And it it bums me out to think that people would use something as heavy as this to create more of a a political distancing, Mm -hmm. especially in our churches.
0: We'll talk about this a little bit more in the second segment, but I think you and I have always tried to say, look, we believe in the value of the institution of the church mm-hmm. in our communities and the value it brings spiritually and socially. But we also have wanted to call out Uh, things that need to be called out Mm -hmm. and I think certainly churches who would position themselves maybe as conservative or evangelical or pro-life, because there are churches who are in the opposite direction, Mm -hmm. we forget that Mm -hmm. Um, but our our mutual friend wrote this, um, he said my encouragement for this moment is to consider not perpetuating the sin of devaluing the life of the person who is arguing Contrary, mm-hmm. uh, do you have anything more than a ditto and amen to that? Or, <laughs> you know, we we
2: w- it's not a singular focus on the life of the unborn. And yes, the the, the pro life movement would advocate for the unborn, certainly uh, one of innocence. But beyond that, there are human beings involved. The moms, the dads, that's been an emphasis here more recently. um, State of Texas had its first national conference for the fathers um, advocating for for life, uh, interestingly enough. But um, God is for everyone. So for me, I've never been interested in being a part of this conversation when there was winners and losers. For Mm -hmm. me, it was something that opened my heart and mind to the conversation when it became about grace. There's reconciliation that needs to be had by by the families involved and, and certainly the life lost. There is a need for healing all around
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no matter what you think about the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, it has opened up a wound that will not be closed for a very long time as this goes back to the states. And I think uh, churches are going to have to figure out um, uh, not necessarily which army to fight for, but how to manage um, the, um, the the conversation, <clears throat> certainly spiritually and socially. I think the church is going to be on the front lines of trying to manage... Um, the unity and division around this topic.
2: I hope what you're saying is true, that churches would take that position because whether they choose to do that or not, there are people in our churches that have made a decision to have an abortion and they will continue to suffer in silence if their environment is not one that will open itself up to create create a place of healing for mm-hmm. them to work through that.
0: Mm-hmm. Powerful. Pastor Jeff Logston, Pastor of Hope City Church here uh, in Tucson. Let's go to our uh, first break of the hour, final break of this conversation. When we come back, we're gonna try to put a bow on the last two and a half years, whatever it's been of our conversation. Mm-hmm. 10 more minutes, Pastor Jeff, bittersweet. We'll be right back here on 1030 The Voice.
1: News at the top and bottom of every hour. 1030 The Voice. Trusted local news and talk. School's out and summer's here, and now's the best time to come out in the evenings and catch Tucson's professional soccer team, FC Tucson, in action. We're back home June 11th for Forever Pride. Fireworks and a salute to the troops on July 3rd. Celebrating Tucson's birthday on August 20th. And don't miss our defending WPSL Desert Conference champions in action. The FC Tucson women have home games June 3rd, June 19th, June 24th, and July 1st. Tickets start at just $10. Get yours now at
0: fctucson.com.
3: Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell, but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer. Hi, this is Ethan Orr from the University of Arizona, where we apply science for sustainability and economic opportunity. At the Arizona Cooperative Extension, we focus on youth leadership, water conservation, and environmental health. If you'd like to find out more about urban agriculture, youth development, or creating a healthier environment, call me, Ethan Orr, at 520-621-0906. Or visit us at extension.arizona.org. Daddy
0: We're back, Tucson and Southern Arizona, live out of the 10 uh, common workspace studios. <laughs> You're listening on Amton 30K, VUI, The Voice, a bittersweet moment. Our last conversation with faith and culture contributor, Pastor Jeff Loxton, uh, before we sign off and hang up the headsets for the last time on Friday of this week, Pastor Jeff, uh you know this conversation uh, at the intersection of faith and culture church and community certainly during covid felt like uh, wisdom for weird times was uh, important but i always felt it was one of the most risky uh-huh. uh kind of public air city-wide conversations to have i've been surprised that this, what we do, you know, on a regular basis is one of the most popular segments that I get the most feedback on. If I like that. That was helpful. Keep doing it. Thanks for doing it. Of anything we do, mm-hmm. this is the one. Mm-hmm. It blows me away. Um, thank you for doing this. Thank you for, for navigating us the last couple of years on this journey.
2: Yeah. And what our listeners don't know is the impetus for this was a group of guys, I would call them sages sitting around the table during COVID and saying, one of them saying, you need to be on the radio and me just thinking why, you know, and reaching out to you as someone whom I knew as a friend and was already mm-hmm. doing this and just saying, Hey, Uh, A coach once told me success is finding out what God is already doing and just joining him there. Mm -hmm. You were already doing this. And so for me, it was, hey, Zach, do you think that this would translate well? And neither of us knew the answer to that, but Mm -hmm. it's been, Mm -hmm. I am constantly blown away by conversations with people who just hear, maybe they hear an inflection Mm -hmm. in my voice of like, hey, are you on the show with Zach Mm -hmm. and complete strangers that have Mm -hmm. really, Um, tuned in on the things that we've been able to talk about.
0: It's been amazing. Yeah, and Pastor Jeff, I think our listeners by now know our heart. There was no subtle effort on here to create culture change or proselytize or push faith on anyone. I think you and I just had a realization of faith and culture, church and community as an intersection that defines a lot of our lives in ways we do and don't know, and that the church as an institution is I still think important and on the front lines of everything from sex trafficking to refugee care to homelessness to economic development. And just wanted to hold a space to have that dialogue. Um, I think we did it. I think
2: so. And I it's worth saying that people didn't always listen with favorable, you know, it wasn't like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm buying what you're selling 100% of the time. People are like, oh, I don't think I agree with that, which is. Which is always fair and totally realistic, but to be able to have a place where people can say, hmm, maybe I never thought of it that way, or someone's doing something different or thinking about challenges that we're facing Mm -hmm. in a different way. uh, What do I think about that? Uh, I have loved friends from the LGBTQ community that I know would never uh, actively be a part of our church. and they have come up to me and said, Jeff, thanks for sharing that. I really appreciated hearing that. And so I've loved being able to reach people from all different cross-sections of our community in that way, and to have that input to bring back to future shows. It's mm-hmm. been really a, a cool experience.
0: Yeah, I and mean, we started talking wisdom for weird times. That was our COVID theme, mm-hmm. was a little, a little thought. A little exhortation mm-hmm. during very difficult times. We moved into some very difficult church issues, mm-hmm. uh, and then we talked about issues at the intersection of faith and culture, church and community. There's been those stages. Uh, what's your what's an encouragement for going forward? How do we how do we wrap up kind of the theme and the tenor of this show and a final encouragement uh, for our listeners before we sign off?
2: Yeah, what I realized um, is that the the church. It's a lot like finding your place in a family. It's a lot like finding a counselor or an entrusted friend. And there are unique things that make us who we are. And so finding a church community that one can really resonate is challenging to do and it's even more challenging when we hear all the things in the media that make us cynical about wanting to even be a part of a faith community. I think from personal experience, I still believe in the role of the local church, would encourage our listeners to pursue that, but at the end of the day, for me, um, at the risk of proselytizing, is that I think uh, Jesus is relevant and does challenge us to think differently about the things that we're facing. And so, my hope for those listening, wherever your experience or your background comes from, is just to to lean into mm-hmm. that and to say, what what role does what does Jesus play in my life, mm-hmm. and what does that look like in the context of our community? You and I love our city. There's tremendous mm. need here, and I think apart from the local church and nonprofits with that background, a lot of that work doesn't get mm. done.
0: I, I think for me, Pastor Jeff, I um, I am more of an institutionalist than ever, mm-hmm. and and just realizing that the only American institution that still has some modicum of support and belief is the military, mm-hmm. whether it's the Supreme Court. Congress, the presidency, church, government, whatever it is, uh, people have lost faith Mm -hmm. in the ability of those institutions to do what they say they're going to do and what they're intended to do. And I think our conversations, my heart has always been, um, how do we support the role of the institution? How do we make it the best it can be and celebrate it? And part of that being clarity and intention to call out the things that need to be called out. And then that, that is not being oppositional to the institution. That's how the institution stays refined and on mission. And I think we tried to do that over the last year for sure.
2: Yeah. And I think one theme that's emerged in our conversations is uh, uh, not been overtly stated, but reaching out and and, and connecting with people yeah. who think differently, who approach things differently, just to have a fuller perspective of the challenges we face.
0: Yeah. Pastor Jeff, God bless. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for being here. The music's in the ear. That's the that's that's the swan song. Uh, good to be with you today. Uh, we'll see each other out in the community quite a bit. Hope City Church, thanks for all you do. Thanks for your message, and thanks for being with us, Pastor. Thank you,
2: Zach, and thanks to our listeners.
0: Absolutely. Tucson, uh, that's it for our faith and culture contributor, Pastor Dev Lockson. That's not it for us on the show. Devin Underwood is on the other side. We'll talk Tucson's labor market and more on how to navigate it. Don't go anywhere. School's out and summer's here.
1: And now's the best time to come out in the evenings and catch Tucson's professional soccer team, FC Tucson, in action. We're back home June 11th for Forever Pride. Fireworks and a salute to the troops on July 3rd. Celebrating Tucson's birthday on August 20th. And don't miss our defending WPSL Desert Conference champions in action. The FC Tucson women have home games June 3rd, June 19th, June 24th, and July 1st. Tickets start at just $10. Get
0: yours now at fctucson.com. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the 70 plus startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges that houses the university's commercialization hub with several other projects coming out of the ground, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona moving innovation at the speed of business.
3: Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash
4: When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to
1: you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice.
0: back Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVY The Voice of the In-Depth News. Conversation and talk about the people, ideas and issues shaping Tucson's future. Uh, and today is a, an especially bittersweet day as we head towards Friday where I will hang up the headsets and, uh, and sign off for the last time a couple of our regular contributors are with us and uh, it's a uh, bittersweet to say these are our uh, last conversations here on the air not on the community uh, but on the air one of those has been our guide for a couple of years through covid and the end of covid and the endemic phase helping our Tucson businesses and organizations and leaders navigate a shifting labor market and figure out how in their own organizations uh, to keep and attract and retain the right talent. Devin is, uh, is the best in Tucson and she's been uh, with us every step of the way and is on with us now. Devin Underwood, good morning. Thanks for being with us and uh, thanks for the last couple years of helping us navigate all this.
4: Good morning, Zach, absolutely, it's been my pleasure and I'm uh, sad to see it end, but you know, on to the next adventure.
0: Uh-huh. On on to the next adventures. Uh, Devin, I know we kind of have a, a direction we're going this morning. Uh, before I go there, I saw you post something recently about remote work and it was actually an mm-hmm. article that listed Tucson as a top spot for remote work in the country, and uh, I thought about it because I was looking at an article uh, out of Axios called America's New Labor Market. It came out earlier this month, and it talks about you know why are some industries recovering quicker, why are some industries not. The, the private sector has recovered 99% of all its jobs lost, the public sector only 58%. And they said, okay, so why is all this happening? And they listed three things, and one of those is the allure, of remote work. So I thought, well, Devin posted about remote work. Uh, I'll ask Devin. So Devin, (laughs) give us an update on the continued allure of remote work real quick.
4: Yeah, I think on the list of trends that people are looking for, and I think we talked about this in one of the shows, kind of the 2022 trends of what workers are looking for, flexibility is in the top five to top three in every list I look at. Hmm. And I think that speaks to remote work. Um, The ability to choose where you're working, um, have some say over when you're working. There's, you know, limited flexibility in even some remote roles, but um, you've got collaboration time and meeting times and things you have to be to. But I think the the autonomy and flexibility is a really big piece of that puzzle. as we see remote work being embraced more and more, we're also following trends of changes in, in org structure. Org structure is really shifting, and we're going to rethink management, and we're going to rethink what that middle management is and all of these different needs and elements. When people become remote, much more of your work becomes a deliverable mm-hmm. than a um, collaboration or a presence needed impact, Mm. Uh, so it's all shifting and it's all really interesting, but I think flexibility is the key there, Uh, and so any of the positions that just struggle in creative ways to flex around people's schedules are struggling right now um, to find enough people to take the role. Wow.
0: We're going to talk today about creating a succession planning process, something that we've hinted at before, but we're going to go in depth today. Um, But you said something, Devin, if you don't mind, that that caught my ear, and that was, this is all going to make organizations rethink especially middle management. Uh, Can you share a little bit more about that, just out of curiosity?
4: I Yeah, I, I mean, I hesitate to because it's all sort of taking shape around us. There's a lot of smarter people than me talking about it right now, um, but you know, how we manage people is going to change if, if your teams are dispersed and how many people you can manage at a time might change as your people are dispersed. What you're managing is changing. Um, so, if it's very much deliverable based, if you're managing timelines, is there there's a lot of organizations discovering that that middle manager isn't as needed, hmm. that maybe project management is replacing people management in some areas, not all. Interesting. Um, and then oversight and and uh, end of day accountability and responsibility is a little further up the ladder. Other organizations are just flattening quite a bit. So there aren't even laddered or hierarchical or very little hierarchy. And there's a lot of flattening and collaboration and and just experts that they're assembling in different key areas with a centered person sort of project managing from there. So there's there's lots of ways to rethink it, and it, it remains to be seen as this keeps moving forward.
0: Well, that shifts age strategy then quite a bit as well.
4: That, what was
0: that? I, I mean, all of this impacts HR strategy as well. I mean, this has oh. a ripple effect through organizations at all, you know, at all levels of, of, the, of the experience.
4: Absolutely, and, and so you're, we're rethinking um, who's needed, what does that change about the skill set, what talents and skills and experiences do we have that we can reposition within an organization, what does a career path even look like here? Um, and, and, you know, we're finding more and more that career path isn't necessarily hierarchical either. I've said that for a long time. Hmm. People want new challenge. They want to be valued. So there is financial increasing needed. But is the path really a direct up-down to management? And not everybody wants to be, nor should be a manager, but there should be growth in other ways in the organization, and what does that look like? So all of it has to be thought through, and that it speaks directly to succession planning and, and where you need to head with your organization.
0: For sure. No, amazing, I, I, could, I could pick your brain about a number of things even from that, Devin, but we are here to talk about succession planning. Give me the high-level, 30,000-foot Um, of this before we go to our break in a minute or two, and then we'll spend the entire second segment uh, diving in a little bit more. But when you talk about creating a succession planning process, what's the 30,000 foot of of how you help companies do that, Devin Underwood?
4: Yeah, I think this is the best way for us to end our time together, because it summarizes pretty much.
0: Do we still have Devin with us? Matt, are you there?
1: I think we lost Devin. Uh, maybe we go to break and uh, and get her back on. What do you think?
0: Perfect. Sounds good. We'll go to our break, and then we'll go where we were going to go anyway, uh, deep diving on creating a succession planning process. You're on 1030 The Voice. Come back on the other side. Don't go away.
1: National politics. The issues that matter to you. 1030 The Voice. Tucson's trusted local news and
0: talk.
2: Time with Devon and her team.
0: Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson, located just a few down. From the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, some ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you
3: want some burger to love? Hi, this is Ethan Orr from the University of Arizona, where we apply science for sustainability and economic opportunity. At the Arizona Cooperative Extension, we focus on youth leadership, water conservation, and environmental health. If you'd like to find out more about urban agriculture, youth development, or creating a healthier environment, call me, Ethan Orr, at 520-621-0906, or visit us at extension.arizona.edu.
0: In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the 70-plus startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges that houses the university's commercialization hub with several other projects coming out of the ground, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business.
3: This is Bill Buckmaster Travel Talk at Noon on 1030 Tucson's voice for trusted news talk.
0: And we're back Tucson and all of Southern Arizona live now for part 2 of our conversation with Devin Underwood principal and founder of the Talent Store. Our guide for the last couple of years on this program around helping organizations and businesses and leaders listening uh, navigate the labor market and keep attract and retain talent and Devin I think all but one of our shows uh, in the years we've been doing this have been by phone we've had a perfect record of connectivity and I see what you're doing there (laughs) this was your last chance to get a technical issue in so (laughs) congratulations (laughs)
4: <laughs> Absolutely, we cannot have a perfect record, Zach.
0: No. <laughs>
4: it sets the bar but too it, high.
0: For sure. But no, we, um, we're picking right back up where we wanted to anyway, um, which is we're talking succession planning, which is the best wrap up of our couple years of conversation. So right back to you, Devin. Uh, how, do, how do businesses, organizations, and leaders create a successful succession planning process?
4: So I I have a term I call talent strategy, and it's it's everything we do at the talent store. It's what all of our services are based on. And essentially, it is that. It is all of the pieces of the puzzle when you think about creating an organization that has legacy and succession beyond the people that are there. Um, And that's what we do. And so that's the focus of succession planning, and those are all the steps and it starts with mission, vision, values, it goes through your employer brand and what you look like to the outside world, how are you attracting your entire talent acquisition process to help you select and onboard talent um, effectively, efficiently, and better than your competitors, Um, all the way through to setting people up for success um, evaluating employees, retention, employee engagement, and career pathing, And then how do you help that talent move and grow and develop within your organization as your organization matures? That's talent strategy. And that's what an incredible talent strategist does for you. Um, and in that talent strategy, and we've talked about all of those moving parts and each one you can dive really deeply into, but, you know, that doesn't sit just in HR. And it's something I talk about a lot. It's a, it's a big shift in philosophy. I, feel, I see more and more large companies embracing it. But talent strategy is really the centered stool. Um, it is directed and informed by operational vision. And so executive leadership is a key component to laying out what needs to happen Who needs to be there and what opportunities are going to be created for people within the organization and that talent strategy team or person then kind of organizes all of the different pieces around that and puts the puzzle together with key partners in marketing and in HR HR is a huge collaborator in all of the pieces of liability Fairness, equity, compensation, benefits, programming. And marketing is a huge piece of the puzzle in communications, external viewpoints, internal viewpoints, messaging, newsletters, connection programs. And so all of that comes together, and that talent strategy sort of sits in the middle and continues to evolve um, as the organization evolves in attracting and retaining and continuing to challenge and grow the talent within an organization. Hmm.
0: My educated guess, and I could be very wrong, but my educated guess is that of those moving pieces to a succession planning process, I would imagine either the hardest or the least done or the least done well is knowledge capture. And I think a lot of organizations, yeah. you know, go okay. Well, we, you know, this manager is stepping out, so we're going to hire a replacement. You now have two weeks to brain up everything you know, and we'll shake hands and we'll say goodbye. Um, that's not uncommon, but the as you go handbook, so to speak, development of compiling all the knowledge and resources and everything of your day to day. I think you speak to it as an ongoing process, whereas I think most companies do it in a rush at transition, at succession. Is that is that fair?
4: Absolutely. I think of it, I start knowledge capture on someone's first day. So in their role, I want to make sure this person understands one of their jobs in the first 30 to 60 days is to fill in any gap of training that we don't have for their role. Hmm. Anything that they had to learn that wasn't externalized or captured needs to be externalized by them. And that's part of their learning as they go. Um, And that can be ongoing so that you begin to create a culture of knowledge sharing. I just talked to, it's an engineering position, a really technical um, product, and it's a director of engineering role. And one of the key things we're vetting for is someone who can create a culture of knowledge sharing because right now that's one mm. of their biggest pain points. They've got to grow a team in another country, and the the team that's in the other country right now is really um, insecure about sharing what they know. And a lot mm. of it lives inside their brain. And so I'm asking things like, what programs or what have you created? And they're talking about, I talked to a woman who spoke about creating a website of resources. Did she has a key engineer on every project call, even if they're not a part of the project, to ideate around solutions. They're all sharing what they just learned about something that they had to solve on this website. They've got a centered place where they have communication going on. If somebody's struggling with a problem or a technical detail, they can put it out to the whole team, whether they're part of the project or not, and get brainstorming around it. And so she's broken down these walls of having to know everything, the fear of not knowing everything, and made it actually a powerful thing to share, I have mm-hmm. a problem I need help with. And created um, technology around and communication strategies around knowledge sharing and problem solving. And so these are different things depending on where you are or what your organization is doing. It's huge, it's a game changer. Um, and it gives you the ability to move forward um, quickly and it gives your people freedom to evolve their careers and not get stuck where they are because they're the only one that knows it. Right,
0: and I think a lot of people, I would imagine a lot of people say, hey, if I'm the only person who does know this, that's my leverage to be in this company for a long time and that if if I document this and share it, then anybody can do this and I'm replaceable and I don't want that to happen. Which comes back to the culture set by leadership to say, no, 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 this helps not only other people to succeed, but actually helps you to move up and out uh, in our organizational in our organizational structure.
4: Absolutely. You want to be, you know, you've brought incredible value. You want to be able to then challenge yourself in a new way. Don't get stuck. Um, share it. Delegate it. Job shadow is another way of knowledge sharing. There's lots of great ways. And it then up-levels that person's leadership skills and ability to teach others. Um, It's all for the benefit. Um, So, you know, I mean, even as a recruiter, I get stuck in it. It's human nature to be protective of what you know Mm -hmm. um, because it's hard-earned, right? It feels very hard-earned. And I say, you know, gosh, if I share all these things out there, Um, well, then why do they need me? Well, I know that that just because you share the information doesn't mean someone knows how to implement it or evolve it or think through it, right? Execution Um, is the bigger piece
0: of the puzzle, yes.
4: Exactly, exactly. It doesn't replace you. But, you know, at the same time, let's get other people that can also execute. And it it gives you freedom to move through the organization. Um, So creating that trust um, that value in knowledge sharing and, and showing that it's a win for everybody is really important to a culture.
0: Mm. Uh, Devin, anything else that you want to share before um, you, we close out sharing where? I know you um, also host uh, our conversations on your website and through some of your content creation. And I, I want to end with you know a call to action to our, our companies who've been listening um, and won't have that chance live anymore, but they can work with you live, so I wanna, I wanna close on that. Anything else on this topic we didn't cover that's important for our listeners to know about succession planning in their organizations?
4: Yeah, you know, I think it can sound really overwhelming. Get a partner that you trust in it, um, whether internally or externally, um, and, and they can help you sort of tackle the pieces and prioritize them and get through different parts of it. I know. On the recruiting and talent acquisition side, something I'm really proud of for us here at the talent store, I think people have varied experience with external recruiters. Um, They're used to probably throwing them a job description or a job rec and then getting some resumes thrown at them. Um, We're your partner in evolving your organization and growing your organization. You don't have to have the job description perfectly fleshed out for us. We're going to take the time to understand where you're going, to share with you best practices in other organizations, to help you flesh out who you really need, and then work to pre screen and vet to that before you even start your interview process with the candidates we present. Um, we will, we want to save you time, we want to be your valued partner it's a really different relationship than what people are used to. And I think it's the hardest thing for me to talk about um, because um, it's hard to explain until you do it. You don't have to have it all figured out before you call us. And it doesn't cost anything more for us to help you through it. It's it's in fact probably priced a little less than what you're used to with other recruiters. But it's incredibly more impactful. We have a 99% placement rate. Wow. And every one of our customers comes back to us. So we've grown completely through client retention and referral. Um, and so I just want to encourage everybody to not go it alone, whether it's with the talent store or with Sherm, uh, Greater Tucson Sherm, with resources at the chamber, with all of the different partners, the Arizona Technology Council. there's just a lot of incredible uh, knowledge to tap and find those partners and then that person to help you bring it all together and we can all get through it and and evolve and grow together.
0: Yeah, Devin, I think over the last two, I think it's actually almost three years that we've been doing this together, which is unbelievable. So much has changed. The landscape has changed by the month sometimes around this whole issue and I think business owners have a lot going on, organizational leaders have a lot going on besides being an expert in this, but that's okay, you're the expert. And I think you know one thing that sets you apart, if I can say so, is that you don't just recruit a position in a vacuum. I think you really have a unique, innate understanding as a company of how this does and needs to fit into a larger strategy, a larger brand, Um, and I think that's really important and that's why you have that 99% placement rate and why people keep coming back to you. Um, And so that would be on my side, my encouragement to listeners. Devin, you um, uh, have these resources we've created, these interviews I think on your website. Uh, People can go back and check out our deep dives on these pieces and then your website again for people to reach out to you um, after this very last show together to, uh, to participate.
4: Yep. Go to yourtalentstore.com. dot um, we, We're revamping it, which is really exciting. So it'll have a new look and feel uh, by the end of the year. But you can still access my calendar directly there. Um, we've added new team members. We're doing some really exciting work. Um, some of our clients have got us uh, both looking for key positions, staffing or pipelining repeatable hires, and we're doing advising. So. Mm. There's a lot of exciting stuff happening at once, and and we're thrilled to help out uh, companies here in Tucson.
0: Yourtalentstore.com. Devin, you're a true professional. Thanks for sharing your knowledge with the Tucson community. It's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, we'll keep working together, of course, but uh, for now, we wrap a bow on it, and thank you for uh, your time here on the show.
4: Thanks for all you've done with your show, Zach. It's been incredible to be a part of it.
0: Thank you, Devin. That's it for us today. Governor Doug Ducey on the show tomorrow. We'll be back 9 o'clock on Thursday. Stay cool, Tucson.